You are listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I am your host, Mike Petchy. Hi, this is my show. And this isn't just your standard episode of In Love With The Process. This is a very special series. We are out here in Provo, Utah for one specific reason. Film Quest. Now, if you haven't been following me on Instagram, at Mike Petchy or following the podcast on Instagram, then uh, one might call you a piece of shit. I will call you a piece of shit for not following us because you listen to the show and continuously I tell you to follow us on Instagram. How many of you are doing so? Uh, Mike, it's too early in the show to start ranting and yelling at your guests. (laughs) All right, so we're here at FilmQuest because Lance and I have a movie out here. So Come Home is officially selected. We've been nominated for a bunch of really great stuff. Um, And we, of course are taking advantage of the fact that we're at a film festival. And I've promised you listeners since day one that we would take you on the adventure with us. Anything that we do, any film festival we get into, any film sets that we go on, any places that we travel, I'll take you along. It's been my promise to you. And so if you've always wanted to be at a film festival, if you've always wanted to know what the experience is like, this is the series for you. And before we get into it, the series wouldn't be here. It wouldn't be made possible without the help of my drinking buddies over at Puget Systems. Now, Puget Systems, what is a Puget System? It's an editing computer. It is the best editing computer that I've ever owned. It is the only editing computer that I've worked on and that I've cut on for over 12 years now. I've had multiple of them. I still use the same systems that I originally got. Can you imagine buying a piece of equipment that after five years you don't toss into the ocean? You know what I'm saying? Puget Systems makes upgradable computers. They make amazing edit machines. So if you're in the marketplace to build yourself an editing computer or maybe a sound computer, or maybe you're a nerd that doesn't leave his parents' basement and your gaming computer isn't fast enough, so you need a better gaming computer, go to pugetsystems.com You could choose your computer based upon the software you're going to use, right? And if you do so, write to them because they like to build custom machines for their clients. How many companies do you know that know you on a first name basis? When they build your machine, they send you a booklet, and anytime you have any trouble with your computer, and let me tell you this, it's not because of the hardware. I just had this happen last week. Here's my first rant. I was trying to cut a piece and there was that software update that happened on Adobe Premiere and then suddenly my playback ran like shit. By the way, Adobe, just because you want to integrate new AI software, make sure that I could still edit without delay, please. And so the great thing about being a part of the Puget Systems family is that you can reach out to them and they'll tell you what's going on with updates. They'll help you fix those updates. They'll help you adjust different things. It's amazing. It is everything that the larger computer companies promise, except it's real people responding to you with customer service. So PugetSystems.com is the place to go. And big shout out to the dudes from Puget. We're going to talk about where we're staying, and it's all because of you. So each and every one of these episodes, um, go to Puget Systems on Instagram and just thank them for letting us be here. So let's start the show.
So uh, that's uh, Mitch Murder. And uh, I think this is going to be one of our theme songs of this series. It's mean. It's cool. It's Mitch Murder. I'm here with my buddy. What's up? What's up? Oh, it's Lance. Hey, everybody. I'm back. Big dog in the house. I love that song. It just feels like Film Quest. Doesn't it? It's like I. So Mitch Murder actually gave us their entire catalog to use all the music on the show. And I've been slowly making my way through it because it's like 23 albums. And I found these the other day. And it's just, listen to this. I feel like we're in like a Nicholas Refn club scene right now. Yeah. Yeah, man. And nobody can see colors. So, uh, yeah, I'm joined here by Lance Williams. What's up? What's up? Thank do you I call you? Do I say Lance A. Williams? Yeah. According I... to SAG, you have to put my middle initial in. <laughs> I'm the only actor who's like, what's my stage name? I'm just going to use my government name. But that means I'd like my middle initial there. <laughs> So, Mr. A's here. Yeah, Mr. A. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, we're, uh, we got, we, we arrived to uh, Provo yesterday. Yeah. We, we flew into Provo from California, which Wicked was- a quick flight. Very quick flight, but we took, what did we take, Allegiant? Allegiant. And it's a weird terminal. Yeah, we're getting, we're getting looks from our guests. <laughs> so, it's a weird terminal. So, we had to, like, go, it was, like, ter- Terminal 1 at LAX, mm-hmm. and then we go in, we check in, and they're like, oh, you got to go catch, like, a... Yeah, the, the shuttle. A shuttle. To the actual terminal, which was somewhere hidden inside of LAX. Yeah, it was, like, in it the center. It wasn't, like, the actual, where the other terminals are. Yeah. They were, like, was f- like, like, these big smokestack power plant looking things on the side i was like where the fuck are we i looked down at my phone during the ride and looked up i'm like oh we're here i'm like, all right i'm looking around like where the fuck is lax at where are we at what just happened when i looked down yeah. <laughs> the algorithm got me <laughs> yeah yeah and i think it was like there's like this terminal that's like in the center of all the tarmats in lax which mm. i think has all of the rando airlines that don't really pay for the good spots but mm-hmm. you know it's the it's like you know romancing the stone I, I kept like every time i think of like a real shitty airline i think of that but you ever see romancing the stone with uh michael douglas and kathleen turner and danny devito great movie and mm. i always think of this bus that she had to get on to go through whatever jungle she was going through and it was like chickens and all sorts of <laughs> shit on this bus <laughs> so that's what i'm like fuck we're we're going. Looking, the best was us getting into the actual terminal and then going to look at the screens for where like what our gate is and we were early so we hadn't been assigned a gate yet but we're both looking at the wrong shit and we're like so I said, no, no, that's not it. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's a no. That's that's arriving. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Which one is us? Yeah. <laughs> just two fucking idiots on like four hours of sleep, just staring at the screen while everyone else is like, I know where I'm going. Yeah. And we were at the airport longer than it took us to fly to Pro. Yeah. Yeah. We were there yeah. for like three hours. Next to my flying legion, I'm gonna show up five minutes before. Yeah. You catch the shuttle, follow the people in the right. yellow vest. Yeah. Sir, you lost. Come <laughs> this way. That's what it was the whole time. Um. And uh, yeah, the flight itself. Very uh, posh airline, you know, mm. seats that don't recline. Yeah. Uh, no televisions, of course. It's like those seats you have in kindergarten where it's like fiberglass. Yes. And yeah. it has no support. Yeah. It's just meant for discipline and structure. <laughs> like, that's it. It's like a fucking canoe. It was yeah. like being in a canoe that they launch into, mm-hmm. into the atmosphere. Uh, but, you know, this is us just being dicks. It was a fun, really crazy sort of fast ride here. We ended up uh, picking up gear 
for the audio stuff. And then we went and uh, checked into our place. This place that is sponsored by Puget System. Uh, it's fucking massive. Like we, yeah. I think we can we can sleep eighteen people here. Is this the Mojo Dojo Casa House? Yeah, I mean, so we've got as the week continues. This is episode one. What day is today? It's today, like the twenty seventh. Twenty seventh. Twenty seventh. Today's our first episode, but as the week continues, as this festival grows, um, it seems like a, a ton of people sort of roll in towards the back end. Mm-hmm. And we've got filmmakers coming to stay here at the house. We have friends coming. We have cast coming. So this place will become pretty fucking crazy. Um, I'm going to try to post on my Instagram a walkthrough of this place because it's insane. <laughs> we've got like a hot tub out back. In, in uh, by the way, theater. did you start it up this morning? No. Was it's, it on? Yeah, it's on. Who started it this morning? The Mormons. Oh. Someone was soaking. I wonder if the people were here today. Sneaking in our windows. Looking this is why window. I locked my bedroom door last night. <laughs> <laughs> and I slept with the light on. I'm not ashamed to say it. It's a new place, man. It's, there's no sunlight that comes in that room. There's no moonlight, no ambience from outside, nothing. I was like, it's pitch black in here. Fuck this. I'm turning this lamp on. <laughs> Every new sound in the dark is terrifying. You know what I mean? What's that floorboard sound? Is there a giant outside wants to eat me? Yeah. No. Why are you friends with a horror movie maker? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to not be. Now that I, you shouldn't let me know this. This is what you tell me when we leave. Because oh, now fuck. you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. What have I done? Uh, all right, all right. We're, we're, our, our guest is here, and we're making him sit here, and we're not allowing him to talk, which is a great little torture session for us. <laughs> um, uh, first guest of the show. So as we continue uh, doing these episodes, we're going to bang these episodes out one per day. I'm going to try to drop them immediately. So I'm going to try to upload these right after we record them. So get ready. If you're... If you're um, uh, subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, your fucking alerts are just going to drive you insane. And just tune in. And the way that we're going to tackle each of these episodes, I'm just going to name them by day. Um, and uh, because we're we're going to try to give you what it, the experience is like for us as we go through. Okay. Anyway, let's uh, let's meet our guests today. What's up, dude? Hey. Uh- I'm J. Scott Worthington. I'm the writer and producer of Dixieland, yes. a Civil War short film starring Tony Todd and Philip Arezio. And this is yes. my first time at Film Quest Festival. Yeah. And uh, yeah, as you were also saying, uh, I was over here laughing my ass off listening to your adventures <laughs> with Allegiant in LAX and going to the Island of Misfit Airlines. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that. yeah. <laughs> what did you What did you fly in? Did you fly into um, Salt Lake City or did you fly into Provo? Uh, to Salt Lake City, I, I flew in on Southwest. Yeah, see, mm. that, see, there's this thing, right? So Provo is this weird little community nestled in the valley of these mountains. Mm. And they have a very small little airport that's only like 10 minutes from here, but they only have like one airline that flies into there and they're random days. So you have to pick like one of three days a week to come in or you go to Provo, which is what, 50 something minutes out of here? How did you get it? Salt Lake City. Yeah. Oh, Salt Lake City. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's about it's about 45, 50 minutes, I think, driving wise. Yeah. And I got kind of lucky because some kind soul was also coming to film quest here and instead of taking the train like i was intending i was going to be a good you know green earth citizen and take the train (laughs) like you're supposed to and he was like nah screw that get into my uh suv i'm taking man i was like okay that's nice (laughs) 
That seems to be that seems to be what the atmosphere is here at FilmQuest. Yeah. Like as soon as we got here, and I don't know if you had the same experience, we went over to um, what's the venue? It's the Valor here, right? Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yes, yeah, so we went over to the Valor, and uh, we were just greeted by the so entire staff, all the love, and um, the first thing that just glares at us is how beautifully decorated the space is that they're screening in. So it feels like Halloween. It feels like October. And then they just have the coolest merch, like tons of merch, like fucking jackets and all the varsity jackets. Yeah. T-shirts and variety of t-shirts. Yeah, Yeah, man. I might be buying one of those jackets. And then they hand us our goodie bags as filmmakers and they're just loaded with merch Loaded the press passes are really fucking cool. Their filmmaker badges are awesome. Um, and then while we were in there, they were running the THX sound tests, mm. and uh, it sounds fucking killer it's in there. Incredible, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're not screening until what date are we screening? We're the fourth, I think. Uh, yeah, the last night, yeah, we're um, the closing night shorts block, yeah, and I believe we're up first. Weird. And then when are you screening? We're screening on the 30th at the 11 a.m. block. Oh, you're right at the on. 11 a.m., yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, we may not be able to make it because I think we're going to be doing a podcast then, yeah. but we did watch Dixieland last night. Okay. And it was great. And we watched your other piece, too. Uh, Alone. Oh, you watched Alone as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Dust's uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, because we were waiting for Dixieland from you, and I was like, well, we've got this one. Let's look at this at least. Mm-hmm. Really, really good stuff, man. We're we're really proud of both of them. Yeah, uh, the same director as well for both of them. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's uh, Will that directed them. What's his name? Uh, William Helmuth, which is just like the most badass, like power <laughs> rocker name you could have on set. How'd you guys connect? Uh, he reached out to me. We both went to the same college uh, down in Orange County, mm-hmm. um, and he reached out to me because Alone started as a short story mm-hmm. that I published in like an anthology of sci-fi tales. Mm. He read it. He loved it. Yep. He, he kind of like we knew each other by name by proxy but we never actually like met in person before but he reached out to me and said hey man i'm looking to make uh like my own short film for directing because he's a dp by trade and he's yep. pivoting into directing and he says would you be interested in you know transferring this over and i said well considering that i kind of cheated and started as a script and then wrote it as a short story and basically just had only dialogue lines in the short story yeah man i think i could probably convert that over for you real quick <laughs> to a short film uh and then we, like, we spent like a year kind of making it happen after that that's great, mm-hmm. dude. And so the uh, alone was what twenty twenty or twenty twenty two or something. Twenty twenty, yeah, yeah. We, just before the uh, world exploded. Wow, oh, shit. We yeah. we got lucky. We we literally filmed it. Uh, if I remember right, we filmed it and then went into post just as shutdown started happening. So we managed mm-hmm. to lock in our filming, and then because everything started, you know, everything stopped. Uh, we had a lot of people that were on the post side that had nothing else to do. So we had a lot of people yeah. that were just willing to kind of lend their time and stuff to the project yeah, while yeah. we're all sitting around waiting for things to open back up. So this isn't the one that's in this festival, but it's a great movie. And we'll have to put links. We'll have to find a way to put links on it. Um, it's uh, a piece about a, uh astronaut, a woman um, uh, that's stranded in space. Uh, and she thinks she's getting pulled into a black hole. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, she just reaches out into the unknown and uh, finds a voice that she can talk to. talk to. Yeah. And I thought what was really smart about that piece is that it felt very relevant, especially for that period of time, mm-hmm. which was like a lot of people were sort of trapped on their own and they were looking for someone to talk to and communicate with. And they would either turn to the Internet or or like, you know, 
dating apps or whatever. Yeah. And so it was like a it was like a sci-fi dating app thing. Yeah, a little bit low catharsis for everybody. Yeah. A little little relationship therapy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, completely by accident. I mean, we <laughs> I wrote in it the year before. Yeah. But considering the timing, and you know, most half of this industry is just timing. Yes. Like, mm. You know, happening to be at the right space, right time. That film felt right. Yeah. Considering the year and considering yeah. everything, we certainly felt as we were going through post. Boy, this is hitting in a different way than it was even mm-hmm. just two months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great piece and like really great set. Um, and, uh, it felt epic. And I think what, uh, Will does as far as his directing concern, you see parallels from both of you and both these films, that one and Dixieland. I think Will did a good job on both of them of sort of like pushing you in immediately and sort of giving you sort of like an action intro. I don't want to give away anything, but like, like the first, I'd say minute, minute and a half is like pretty action-packed on both the shorts mm-hmm. which is great it's a great way to get the audience in and then mm-hmm. sort of uh then it almost turns into like a like a almost like a stage play to a certain extent on both the films because the formula is mm-hmm. kind of pretty similar on both the movies you know yeah. it's funny you mentioned that because i actually was telling williams like i might be a one-trick pony when it comes to this stuff because <laughs> i just realized as i was reviewing both films going these are the Kind of the same thing. Open with a bang. Sit down for a conversation. Someone might die at the end. We're all sad. Yeah, like there's kind of a weird structure I go to when I'm making these short films. It's funny you point that out. Yeah, no, we were noticing it last night. And um, the other thing that we were noticing is is that your characters really are trying to process being alone, which was interesting. Mm -hmm. So, where does that come from? Uh. I have no idea because I'm actually reasonably a well-adjusted human being in real life as far as like people and friends. But I do think that we all have this tendency to just like, uh, how do you explain it? Like, it's so easy to fall into yourself, especially when you're a creative and an artist. You get lost in your own world. You get lost in your own head. Um, and then you... <laughs> especially when we're going through the things we've been going through the last few years, maybe that's why I keep going back to this structure is you desperately want to find your lifeline. Yeah. Right. And, and I think that both films deal with that in kind of different ways is what you're tethered, what's tethering you, what are you holding on to, especially if you're in your last moments and you're kind of being confronted mm. with some real like heavy stuff is what's going to kind of keep you centered. Mm-hmm. And it, in these films, it's trying to reach out to another person, trying to find that connection. And, you know, hopefully, uh, you eventually, like for instance, with alone, she eventually finds herself alone at the end. Yeah, you only have yourself in the end to rely upon. Yeah, and I think a lot of people will probably have to be confronted with that, knowing that in the end you only have yourself as your own constant. And so maybe with these films, you're wrestling with kind of if you start losing all the connections stuff, what do you have left? You have you. Yeah, right. And then where do you go from there after that? Yeah, right. Exactly. And are you happy with who you are? And- exactly. And yeah. that comes up especially in um, in Dixieland yep. is the demons that people like that you carry with you over the course of you know your life and when you're when you don't have any distractions and when you're mm. faced with your mortality like are you happy with what you did and yeah are you happy with who you are well set up dixieland for the audience uh, of course uh so dixieland is uh it focuses on a black union physician mm. who is in the middle of the virginian uh, wilderness towards the end of the civil war his uh, battalion gets attacked and destroyed mm-hmm. he runs off into the woods and he stumbles on a cave where a Confederate soldier happens to be hiding out. And instead of running away because it's cold as hell outside, he decides to sit down at the fire and these two gentlemen have a conversation mm-hmm. before the sunrise hits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just an opportunity for them to be on completely polar opposite ends of just about everything 
do they manage to find a connection in humanity with each other mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. time runs out? It's smart, dude. Why, um, <clears throat> why the Civil War? Why did you write about that stuff? Well, this started as a uh, stage play that I wrote all the way back in high school oh. like when I was just a little muffin. And uh, it, it, the idea was I really wanted to, I love the idea of two soldiers from either end mm -hmm. having to like talk to each other and try to come come up with commonality. Mm -hmm. uh, Civil War especially, it, it felt relevant to come back to this story considering what the country itself is going through right now because I think in a lot of ways, a lot of us are at these polar opposites where we can't even talk to each other right now. Right. Mm. And so I wanted to focus back in on the Civil War because you wanna be like, if you are on polar opposite ends and you're literally fighting each other, are you even capable of seeing the other person as a human? Are you even capable of finding points of connection and, and humanity with each other. Yeah. And so it was kind of an exercise of doing that in this story. Can we accomplish that? Do they manage it? And especially because of the work of the actors, I think they do manage to connect with each other. So I was very, very proud of what they came up with in this film. Yeah, Tony Todd's great in it. And then uh, what's his name is even better? Philip Arezio. Yeah, he's um, fantastic. Isn't he? He's actually my best friend. I'm so proud of him. I'm like, yeah. I like to put him up on like a trophy on a wall. I'm like, you are so cool. Uh, no, he's my best friend from high school. Yeah. Uh, and so we've been buddies forever. He's an incredible actor. He's mm -hmm. Shakespeare trained. Uh, and this was one of the first opportunities for him to like, he tends to get cast in a lot of like comedy role type things. But this is the first chance to like really sink his teeth into something dramatic that I could mm. just offer him up on a plate. Yeah. He just crushed He, he crushed. He like, we talk, I talk about this all the time. As a director, I think the first thing, when I talk to actors, actors are always like, how do you get cast? How do I get picked? And the, the reality of the situation is um, when I'm casting folks, and I think when a lot of people are casting uh, actors, is that you're, you're initially you're looking for someone that you want to watch. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's what I love about Lance. Lance is amazing on screen with that. And when I was cutting you, it was um, I found and I talked about this in other episodes. I found myself dialing back my skills because I'm like, fuck, let Lance carry it because I just want to see what it is that you do. I felt the same way with this guy. And it was initially, it, it, it's so crazy because I could feel it within the first second where you just see him and he's got this look and the way his eyes are playing towards the camera, you're like, this guy's going to be good. And then as a director, I'm like, don't fuck it up. Like I wait for them to open their mouth. You know, and I'm like, don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. You, you already have this natural mm -hmm, thing. Mm -hmm. Don't screw it up. And he didn't. And it was uh, really great to watch him. And then, you know, obviously Tony, Tony fucking Todd. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like those of you who don't know who Tony Todd is, just IMDb it He's right now. He's a legend, legend, legendary voice. We were just talking about Tony Todd. What were you? Oh, because he so Tony Todd voices Venom in the new Spider-Man Two does, game, yeah, uh, which I just played, which was amazing. And I was telling Mike how it really impressed me that for Venom in this game, like in the movie, you kind of get more of like a comedic angle on Venom. Mm -hmm. um, but with this game, the story that they give him, he has all this purpose and intention and drive. And I was like, just giving Tony Todd his flowers for the way that he performs that character, still having this horrific voice, but still having all that sort of gravity and motivation. So it doesn't feel cartoony. It doesn't feel like when I'm watching this giant creature hold Spider-Man by the neck and he's monologuing. I'm like, no, I totally believe what the fuck he's talking about. He means that shit. Yeah, it's it's so impressive. I, I, again, much credit to Tony for for bringing that home that way. He's got that voice, man. And for those of you 
who don't know, he was the original Candyman. And I think mm-hmm. he was all, also in the Candyman remake. I think he, I had, think like, he pops up in the remake. Yeah. 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 But he's been in so many amazing things. Like he's like, how'd you get? How'd you guys get him? Uh, through William, uh, they worked or met each other on a feature that William was DPing, uh, and they just they hit it off. They bonded. Uh, Tony offered up saying, "Hey, if there's anything you're working on, like let me know what it is because I just I, I want to work with you on whatever." And William let me know that. And at the time, the character that he ends up playing yeah. was supposed to be a lot younger. He was actually mm. supposed to be age wise pretty similar to um, Philip's character, the Confederate soldier character. Yeah. But of course, once you hear that Tony Todd might be wanting to be your film, you're going, I can rewrite that. Yeah, I can be. Yeah. But what's interesting is when I rewrote it for him, by adding in, like by aging it up to uh, Tony's age, yep. uh, suddenly you have all this life experience that comes into the character. Mm-hmm. That was because, what made it interesting. Which makes yeah. it really interesting. In addition to being a physician, in addition to being a black union physician, he's also seen a lot of the world. And so all that world weariness comes to play and all that experience comes to play when yeah. he's on screen. And so it just enhanced it so much. Well, what's great, man, is that uh, when you're doing uh, independent film and you're doing like shorts like this, you should play with that. Because I think once you start getting into Hollywood, once once you start sort of processing your casting choices, it's always bring it down younger, make it younger. And there is this sense of uh, a lack of of experience and a lack of texturing. And whether it's... You know, whether or not you believe that the person playing that part has ever, you know, fallen in love, fallen out of love, had their parents die, had like been through some shit, or if you're just looking at their face and there's just sort of like this weather pattern of history that ends up running through like the eyes and the face and all that kind of stuff. I love that shit, man. And it's, it's a constant fight. We spent a lot of time on our short really texturing your character mm-hmm. and putting as much of that into it as possible because that's... What makes things interesting to me? And I think once you you start getting into uh, movies that are financed and you start sort of getting into that end of it, they're always looking at statistics and whether or not it's connecting with the people that are spending the most money on stuff. But yeah. I fucking love characters that have that texture, man. And so seeing him, and that was a thought that I had as a filmmaker when I was watching it. I'm like, wow, Tony's older. Mm-hmm. He's got to be, he's, he's older. He's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, how are you guys going to play this? Because would an older guy be that soldier? But when he started to say that he was a surgeon and all that, I'm like, all right, I buy it now. Mm-hmm. He's been around long enough to actually have the skills to be a great surgeon. He would actually be in the war for that. I get that. Yeah. So yeah. it was He's cool. He's got man. that great line too. He says, uh, uh, "My uh, what was it? The, my scalpel is my mistress." I was so proud of that it's line, such guys. A good line. <laughs> it is a great line. Such he, a good he just line. nails it. The just the 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 nonchalantness of it, just the almost like uh, um, irony of it. Like he just does so well with that line. Yeah. yeah. Hold on. Let's adjust your microphone. Yeah, please. It's just dripping down. It's yeah, and just tighten that fucking. That's the thing with microphone stands. It's like they intentionally make it so that you have to continue leaning forward. Then you end up like fucking Gollum by the right. end of it. That thing's never moving again. There you go. There you go. There. Um, so, yeah, man, congrats. Thank you. Thank you. It's a great piece. It's a great follow-up piece. Both those pieces together. Mm. Crushing, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. And it's cool that we're neighbors. You're in Burbank. That's true. You mentioned you're in Glendale. We're in Glendale, That's man. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. This one over here is in Hollywood. Hollywood. You know what's really great? Yeah. Is that only people out of town think that that's a good thing. Yeah. I know where you're yeah. staying, and I'm like, yeah. that's not a good thing. I'm just thinking about the traffic <laughs> like implications. Times Square. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm in Times Square. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, the the aroma of piss in uh, Hollywood's body. Screensaver. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I come outside and there's somebody with prison tattoos doing vertical handstand push-ups, and you're like, I've got my girlfriend. I'm like, let me just go this way. I don't know what that day's guys that that guy's day is about, but we shouldn't go that. Way. We're gonna go around <laughs> yeah. in Kawanga. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But um, yeah, man, fucking great, fucking great. And so, why writing for you? What, like, has it always been writing for you, or did you think you were going to get into directing and then writing spoke to you? Like, why writing? I, I don't know how to do anything else in the end. I, I've been writing since I was 10 years old. Oh, wow. Like, mm. all the way back at 10, um, fifth grade assignment where we had to write about someone important in our lives, like a descriptive essay. And I wrote about my grandma who had passed away a few years ago, mm-hmm. which starts a pattern of writing about sad things about people. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It's just being consistent throughout my entire writing career. <laughs> <laughs> Probably should see a therapist. Uh, but, but my teacher came up to me the following day after I turned it in and said, uh, J- uh, Scott, because I was going by my middle name as a child. Uh, Scott, uh, did you write this? Yeah. <laughs> did anyone help you? No. Of course, I'm thinking I'm, I'm in deep shit. I did something really wrong. Yeah. And she says, you're a writer. This made me cry. Oh, wow. And getting something like that at such a young age. From an adult. That, from yeah. an adult. From knowing an adult, that you right. move them and to have them almost like decree something like that on you being like, this is who you are. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, you, inside out, you talk about like a core mm-hmm. memory. Right. That's like a core island and a half for me. That mm-hmm. that solidified a huge part of my personality. And, and ever since I've been chasing that, can I make somebody cry? <laughs> can I make somebody, can I move somebody enough to actually shift enough like that? Yeah. And it's kind of a high. <laughs> so <laughs> It is. It a little bit, right? <laughs> Scott's just handing out pages. Cry, cry, <laughs> cry, cry for me. Good. I chopped onions and rubbed them on the pages. Just cry for me. <laughs> but dude, you you have a lot of really good dialogue, man. Especially there's something we pointed out yesterday too. Even in uh, alone, there's also a great line there. She says, "Space space has the best puzzles." So I was curious, it, when you have these really great lines, is it coming from a place where you're writing, you're just sort of in the flow and it comes out? Is it something that gets said in conversation and you kind of tap onto? Or is it something you hear someone else say? Like, Where do those lines come from for you? Some of them just come through the process. I think yeah. a lot of the one-liners tend to come late in the process. Mm. Um, I've noticed, and you know, I, I, maybe you guys run into this once in a while, like when you far, start out with your first draft, you tend to start pretty general. Mm-hmm. And your dialogue typically is like connection points. You're just trying to get your thing set up. You're trying to get your plot moved forward. Maybe you're not dial in necessarily on your monologue yet. Maybe you'll come back to it. I found that the more time I spend with the characters and the more familiar I get with them, eventually those kinds of lines start coming up to the surface because yeah. you've just gotten so familiar with the characters mm-hmm. and the situation they're in. Those things happen. Like that line you just yeah. quoted was one of the last things I wrote. The scalpel is my mistress is one of the very last lines I wrote uh, in a so rewrite. Good. And they just, it's only because you spend enough time with them and you start hearing the actors and what they're going to bring to it. Right. That starts influencing the flavor of what you're writing into the, mm. to the script as well. Well, that's also a line you could put on a fucking t-shirt, man. That's a great, that's a great yeah. line. Thanks. That's a great line. <laughs> it feels like space has the best puzzles to me. I'm like that's on the poster. Yeah. You know, because right then and there, I'm like, well, what the fuck is this movie? I want to know what that is about. What's the puzzle? Is yeah, she what's solve the puzzle? It? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's brilliant. On so many levels, like her being the engineer, space, having all this mystery to it. I was like, that is such a cool line. Thank you. Such a cool line, man. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hold on. Let's take a minute here. I got to do some ad reads. Uh, so stand by. I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything on the fly, folks. I'm doing everything live here. So let's do some ad read music. 
Oh, look at all of a sudden it shows up out of nowhere. Again, <laughs> <laughs> Code Electro. The, the longest running music provider of this show. Martin from Code Electro is the man. If you haven't listened to his music yet, you got to go check him out. Code Electro. I think it's just CodeElectro.com. All right. Let's talk about some sponsors on the show. First, supporting us, as always, our friends over at Fujifilm. Now, if you've been listening to the show, you know why I love Fujifilm so much. I've been using their cameras for a while now. We use their GFX100S. They just released their brand new GFX102, which is a large format, incredibly affordable large format camera that is competing with the big boys. Um, and uh, go to Fujifilm. The links are in the description of this episode. I'm gonna let, remind you again, they're traceable links. They're trackable links. So click on them because it tells the sponsors that you're listening and that you care. All right. Go there and check out all the really cool specs on the new GFX 102. I'm excited to get my hands on it. I've been using the 100S forever. And what we loved about that camera initially was that it was a large format still camera. So the reason why we bought it was that as a photographer, oftentimes you get thrust onto film sets and you're expected to shoot billboard type or billboard quality images. But what most people don't realize is that film lighting, lighting for a film set, isn't adequate enough to do high resolution photography. So if you're shooting medium format photography, like traditionally, you'd be shooting at like a 400 ASA, you'd probably be at like 125 shutter speed, and uh, your lens would probably be a low of a 3.5, right? Meanwhile, they've lit the set at 800 ASA, they're only shooting at a 48 shutter speed, and uh, their lenses are probably wide open at a two. So you show up on that set with this still camera and it's fucking dark. And you've got clients that are looking at you going, I don't get it. And you go, of course you don't, you're a client. Uh, so uh, what we did is we found this camera because it has a really great low ISO or high ISO, low grain uh, setting for it. Awesome fucking color profile. And so uh, Gina was able to show up on these sets and shoot some of the best photography that she's ever shot before that ends up on billboards. I mean, she's got images that were on billboards in Times Square. You know what I'm saying? Fujifilm is the best for this. I love this camera. I also use their X-H2S, which is their 4K video camera. Amazing rig. Gina will be out here at Film Quest later in the week, and I think she's gonna be bringing that camera out. We might shoot some stuff. Um, but Fujifilm, not only do they make great gear, but if you've been listening to the show and you've been listening to the Fujifilm Creator Series, you understand that they also sponsor and finance short films. How many companies do you know that do that shit? And you guys can talk, you guys, your mics are hot. So, uh, yeah. So Nobody these, does that that's shit. That's so cool. Dude, like $20,000, <laughs> $40,000 they'll throw towards short films. Yeah. It's an amazing fucking company. So Fujifilm is definitely there for filmmakers. They're there to support young cinematographers. Mm -hmm. I can't say enough great things about them. And without their support, you wouldn't get a fucking free show every day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the difference between like somebody never getting the chance and their career blowing up, right? Like 100%. you get a chance to make that short film. It's not only the opportunity to present your work, but just the validation of somebody going, yeah, no, I see it, go make it, here's the money. I support you. Yeah, yeah 100%. That, that support is so invaluable. Yeah, man, and so, 
Go check them out. Like I said, link is in the description of this episode. I know you're sitting on the couch. You're probably in your underpants. You're super lazy. You're probably surfing through Instagram. You can also check them out on Instagram right now while you listen to me. I'm being a dick. You're probably on a fucking treadmill trying to (laughs) run away all your... Someone's doing push-ups, burpees, and they're like, I'm not... He's not talking about me. Yeah, Please, yeah. they're hit. They're on TikTok. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> very true. Uh, all right. Also supporting the show are friends over at Black Magic Design. So here's some interesting stuff. We use the hell out of Black Magic Camera and Black Magic's uh, Resolve for Come Home. I just wrote uh, or I just responded uh, to an article. So they're writing an article on Come Home and I just talked in detail about how we used their Blackmagic, what is it, Pocket Cam 6K Pro, it's cinema, mm-hmm. whatever it is, the 6K Pro. Um, and uh, we use that for all of the macro inserts. Mm-hmm. And I also was able to use that camera um, for all of those really emotional close-up shots that we did of yeah. you in this thing. And those ones of the coin are really strong. Yeah, man. And so on Come Home, we had, uh, Black Magic was our B cam. We shot the whole movie with uh, Arri Alexa Mini LF, and then we also used the Atlas Orion lenses. A great setup, which I got from uh, Boca Rentals. We'll talk about them in a minute. But um, you can't get that camera every day. And mm-hmm. what was great about doing Come Home was that we were shooting it in the garage, um, and so I would just sit in the edit room and go, "Ah, oh, man, I need some." better Let's coverage go of this i gotta go do that and i just had the black magic sitting right there so i was able to strap on my really sweet macro lenses and then go out and shoot close-ups of you mm-hmm. uh shoot inserts all of like the sam raimi style sort of like chasing up the wall inserts that was all done with the black magic camera yeah. and then all of the macro stuff that kind of has become my signature all that stuff was also shot with it as well and then as we got into the edit and I edited everything on my Puget system. See how crafty I am with my fucking ad reads. Yeah, that's slick. Uh, so I put it all in the Puget system. <laughs> um, but then uh, we did all of the color grading and compositing in Resolve. In Resolve, I think it's like 18.5 right now is the new version. Uh, it's insane. Mm-hmm. And the face tracking, the facial recognition stuff is insane. The ability to do compositing in that uh, same, same timeline that you're also doing like high-end color grading um it's pretty fucking cool so at this point on my puget system i have everything that i need from start to finish to make these movies and that's kind of where it happens for all these films whether it's this one or 12km or all that stuff so um definitely check out black magic and resolve and uh i will post soon the article that they wrote on come home because we go pretty deep into the making of it on that and I, you know, throw some shade at Lance on that article. Piece of shit. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'll never do a movie with this guy again. Uh, also supporting the show, our friends over at Boca Rentals. Boca Rentals is the rental company that I use in California. They have offices in uh, Los Angeles. They have offices in Las Vegas, which is crazy. Um, but I say this all the time. If you're a young filmmaker, if you're a young cinematographer, don't be afraid of rental houses. I don't know how many young, young people I talk to that are like, I don't know if I can get stuff from a rental house. It's not that fucking Dude, hard to those do. Those relationships are great too. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And what you do is you get down to your local rental house, because I know a lot of you are listening from all over the place, and make friends with them before you have a project. 100%. Go in there, introduce yourself, make sure they know your name, sign up for many rental houses, uh, do training seminars. 
they uh, have parties, they invite people, so you get mm -hmm. to meet folks. And more importantly, you get to talk to the people, the rental agents, about your projects. And then what happens is you become friends and they go, how about we give you a deal, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, if you're in Los Angeles, the place to go is Boca. And the reason why I like them so much is that they are so hyper-focused on young filmmakers and young cinematographers. That means if Martin Scorsese shows up, that gear package that you've had on hold won't suddenly go off hold. Like these guys know that we're the future of the business, so they're there to support us continuously. And their inventory of fucking anamorphic lenses is insane. Insane. So any show that you're watching on television right now, any trashy, lame fucking program that you're watching on your streaming service that looks really fucking good, uh, all those lenses are coming out of rental houses like Boca. So definitely go check them out. Boca Rentals, check them out on Instagram. Check out BocaRentals.com. Um, and I think that's what we see. We got, we got Puget, we got... Finally, if you're a newcomer, right? Maybe you're a Film Quest fan and you're listening to this series and you're like, wow, this guy says fuck a lot. Well, you can go to my <laughs> website. running a tally. Yeah, you could go to my website, inlovewiththeprocess.com, and all of the episodes are curated there by subject material. And you can also, you know, start your own drinking game. You know, have a Ooh. beer every time I say fuck. See, that's two beers. It's only, what time is it? 11 I like that it's not like a sip of beer. Mike said have a beer. A beer. Mm -hmm. Whole beer. Yeah. A whole face. beer yeah, per yeah. fuck. Do something light. <laughs> oh, there you go. There's another one. Do something. <laughs> do something light. <laughs> so premeditated. <laughs> you're a villain. <laughs> do something light. Have like a PBR, something with yeah. a low APR or whatever. Uh, so um, go to In Love With The Process. There I've curated all my podcast episodes by subject material. So if you just want to listen to cinematographer episodes, they're there. If you want to listen to the chef episodes, they're there. You're going to get hungry if you do that. Uh, we got the rock star episodes. We've got everything. And lovewiththeprocess.com. All right, hold on. We'll, we'll lead up with some music. Uh, Jay's dancing here. And I can't figure out if he's mocking or if he's happy. No, I need a dance-off between you and Jay. You got to see Mike's Mike's dance move. It's it's early. For Mike's me. Mike's got he's, he Mike's got a lot of dance moves, but Mike has as long as there's no video proof of any moves. of these. <laughs> That's all I care about. Yeah, Just no. the best. Do you have a go-to dance move? Well, I think I, I harness the the spirit of John Candy. <laughs> I think that's what a, a big way to phrase it. That's a winner on yeah, the dance floor. Great. Yeah, yeah. I think I harness the spirit of John Candy. Um, we call it the chops. The I like to do chops. what I call the Elaine. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We both have like we're both variations on like the lame white guy. Yes. It's very much there's with a whole magnificent category. beards. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not the best dance moves. Exactly. It's very like bar mitzvah dad dancing. <laughs> See, like, Lance is like breaking down how lame we are. <laughs> old dad energy is pretty much my entire <laughs> shit. So. Yeah. Old dad moves. Old dad moves. I should be a dad, but I'm not a dad. I'm a rat yeah. dad now that we have our rats. Yeah. You're you're a splinter now. Well, yeah. I guess I am Splinter now. Yeah. yeah. So Gina's April O'Neil? Don't give her that kind of credit. No. Does she... that make me a Ninja Turtle? <laughs> Fuck somebody... yeah, I like this. This okay. is going great. All right, all right. Yeah, we have rats. So we, mm -hmm. we my, my uh, fiance. Oh, yeah, that's right. Congratulations. Oh, hey, that, yeah. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My fiance <laughs> pressured me into getting rats. And so mm -hmm. now we have rats. They're cute. They're mean. Yeah, I was over there the other day um, when I came to pick up the merch, and 
Gina put one of the rats on the back of the chair, so it was like crawling around on me, and it like crawled out of my arm. I was like, "Oh, this is so cool!" It was the the big brown rat, yeah, and it just pissed all over my arm. That's their move. And I was like, "What the fuck?" That's just rude. Yeah, that's, that's I was like, move. "What is this? Was oh, is this claiming territory?" That's their move. He said, "This arm is mine now." I'm like, "All right, pie may." They come over and they're very cute and they're cuddly, and then he's just like, "Piss, piss, piss." <laughs> he pisses. All, I've now hit a point where I pick up the rat and I go, "Okay," and then I mop the piss up with the rat. <laughs> So it's like, insane. okay, that's what you get for peeing on now, me. Now you have piss belly. I can't yeah. believe you guys would rat them out like that. <laughs> that's nice. So look at this writer fucking trying. <laughs> Old dad energy. Old dad. Said dad jokes for the cum. <laughs> well, let's talk about, uh, so how long are you here? Uh, five days. I'll oh. be here through, I, I think I fly out Halloween. Uh, oh. So Tuesday. Oh, great. Right. You should, we should hang out, man. You should come by and hang out. I would love that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, because uh, there aren't any bars here. There's one we discovered last night. Yeah. Oh, so far, just one. Did you go? I did. It was it was a bar. Is it the one they they said it's like a dive bar? It is indeed a dive bar, but like you know, like a quality dive bar. So, well, but they said more than it just being right, a dive and that's what I love, right? Because we like dive bars, right? So mm-hmm. when someone says, "Oh, it's you know, it's kind of like a pretty shitty hole in the wall place," we're like, "Great, fuck yeah!" But how they positioned it was. Well, it's the place where all the people that have been sort of shunned by the Mormon faith, that's like where they go. So it's not like they're not the best people that are there. You know, it's not really people you want to talk to. I was like, fuck that. I want to talk to them. So it's like the island of misfit toys in Utah? Yes, exactly. (laughs) But it just was such a sad depiction. I was like, wait, are you guys Mormon? The way you're saying it sounds like these blasphemers go there to drink the devil's juice. Like, what? (laughs) They shall never enter the synagogue. They have coffee. (laughs) It felt that way. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, that explains a lot. Uh, the server today at my hotel threw trash at coffee, and for the life of me, I couldn't figure out why she was so dismissive of it. What? Yeah, really? it was like it, it was coming over, and, and we, I noticed there was like more decaf than the other coffee, and I threw an offhand joke about how decaf is an abomination, which it is. Uh-huh. And she said, "Well, I don't understand coffee at all. Coffee's ridiculous anyway." And then she walks off, and I go, "What did coffee ever do to you?" <laughs> right. Is that is that a thing? That's a thing. Away, sinner. That's a thing with Mormons. You're not allowed to have coffee. Yeah, you're not you're not allowed to eat anything that um, fucks with like the natural. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a terrible job explaining this, but fucks with sort of like the natural essence of being a person. So like you're you can't do coffee. You're not allowed to do caffeine. Fucking red. Definitely not allowed to do booze. Can't snort glue. I don't. I don't. I think. I think even the diehards. And I'm sure that there are Mormons listening. Listen, to you guys. Sorry. I'm sure there are, there are Mormons listening, going, Mike, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But I also think they're not allowed to have like certain sugars. And I think it's yeah. Supposed to be real well, what did the guy, our Lyft driver was telling us more about it yesterday? Because he said that they put they put a Starbucks, I guess, right outside of what is it BYU. Yeah, oh, that's and, bold. And yeah, it's like and I, he was like, they know what they're doing though. They know like the, what the market is. Yeah, it's yeah. like just outside, and I was like, but that also just kind of feels like a funny thing for Starbucks to be like, man, kiss my ass. We're gonna put it right here. Yeah, hundred percent. What are you gonna do? What are you do about it. We're a corporation. I, I like how much you're remembering what the Lyft driver said. He was just way too fucking friendly for me. I couldn't help it. He was so fascinating to me. He, he was could like, even hey referred. Hey guys, to- what's about that? Yeah, I'm like, shut down, shut down, shut this guy down. <laughs> okay. Outside of the coffee incident, I have noticed that everyone is kind. Yes. Everyone yeah. is nice here. Incredibly like, kind. Like even the liquor store where you, because they do have liquor stores here too. Mm-hmm. It's all state run. But you go in there and you're grabbing a bottle of booze and the person was the nicest human being. Like she yeah. just clearly loved every second of her job. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We went to uh, the grocery store this morning and there was a lady just like cleaning up. She was like, hi guys. Good morning. How you doing? I thought, oh man, that's so nice. You know, like it doesn't feel weird. It's just, especially living in LA now, mm-hmm. and like we're from the East Coast, we're like, you know, hey, what's up? What the fuck do you want? Yeah. 
And then, so being in LA, where I guess it's not as cynical, but there's just not as much of a friendly vibe either. Mm-hmm. So coming here, where it's like, right, right, yeah, because you guys have this small knit community, so you know each other, you talk to each other. I was like, oh, this is really nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're from Boston initially. Yeah. Which took us when I moved to LA, which was what five months before fucking COVID. Mm-hmm. Oh, good timing. Yeah. Yeah. So when I moved to LA uh, initially, it was like, how do I get rid of my East Coast asshole spirit? Which, according to most people that live in Los Angeles, was just like, he's just too aggressive. Mm -hmm. Which basically meant I wanted to get more than two things done a day. Yeah. How dare you? I'm glad you got aggressive. I get mean. Yeah. People are like, you're just kind of mean. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why are you mean? That's it. That's it right there. Why are you mean? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Actually, I'll be honest. There are moments where I lean into it. Yeah. Of course. I'm like, fuck that. Sure. 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 I'm sure the occasion calls for it for once in a while. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'm like, nah, stop being a fucking asshole. It's ingrained in us. Like, you can't, like, what was the guy? We saw these two guys in the street yesterday that had the badges. Oh, yeah. um, I forget the name. It was one guy from Belgium, one guy from London. And there's some other con that's out here. There's like another convention that is like, Oh, you're talking about those guys. Yeah, they were at the cybersecurity convention. Holy fuck, I've been remembering a lot of details. Cybersecurity <laughs> convention, huh? Yeah, and they had these little, um, because we weren't sure if they were like with FilmQuest, but they had their passes were Almost like, like these Game motherboards. Boards. Yeah, yeah like, like a like Game an, Boy. Yeah, and it, it, they had all these like um, square nodes that were punched into them, and they had like little symbols like Mario, Mushroom, and this and that. So we're like, oh, what's the thing? It's, what's the cybersecurity uh, fast, um, convention? And we have to actually you have to make these. You have to solder them yourself. And then you have to do these things. And you win each one. Then you can apply it. Fucking Mike goes, oh, yeah, that's not nerdy at all. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Mind you, it's like we are two total strangers. Stop these guys. I was like, oh, what's that fucking thing you got on? What is that? Not and nerdy at all. We're fun of Film Quest, man. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm wearing a Film Quest I'm badge. about to say, like, badge of honor, the nerd is should be great mike has a funko pop in his bag when this happens and, like, and i'm like fucking, fucking nerd isn't it like a masters of the universe funko pop as your well? shirt has cthulhu on I it know, dude I, and I was just i can't help it it was just the way the guy was he was like and then you have to fucking be big and i was like oh that's not fucking nerdy at all dude and the best part was the guy who he was saying it to it just didn't register him because he was so pumped about explaining it right mm-hmm. The other guy did catch it, and you could just see it be like, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck, man. So now you feel bad, so you're like, no, that's so cool, man, and you've got three of them. Wow. Meanwhile, I'm like trying to push, you're winning. The, I'm trying to push the cross the walk fucking sign fast enough. <laughs> you're I'm just like, Get me trying out of to walk away. Get me it's out of like here. like whiff of wind as you're running. It's like, yeah. if I catch this, I become one of you. Get out of here. Get out of here. And then we cross the street, and Mike's pumped about his his Film Quest trucker hat that he just got, and I, I was know, like, I know, I know. But look, but look. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have to construct it, though. That's the yeah. big difference. Yes, that's, that's how a, you present yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. You can here, like nerdy shit. Here are all the parts for the hat. Just go take it to a sewing machine and <laughs> right. assemble and uh, do the. You have to embroidery. solder it together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, um, oh, that's good. So yeah, no, you know that was me being a dick, but we're, we're definitely surrounded by really fun nerds, man. Like, yeah. like, um, have did you? When did you get in? Yesterday? Yesterday, yeah. Uh, did, so I, I managed to be for the opening night um, premiere. Oh, how was it? It was, it was great. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a great film. Uh, uh, he never left. Uh, it's just a fun horror movie uh, focused on a hotel. Mm-hmm. And it, I have noticed just for the moment you walk in, like you were describing like how cool the set was around earlier um, that they've built for the screenings of everything. Uh, 
also the people that are running this just it just feels like you just stumbled on the best nerdy family yeah, ever dude. and you're yeah. just one of them immediately yeah like, that's the vibe i'm getting from everybody and they're just excited because we have all these different events that are happening at night and you have to sign up for the events ahead of time and mm-hmm. she was just mm-hmm. so excited yeah. she's like this one you wear pajamas to and this one you did yeah her enthusiasm was yeah. really selling me especially when it came to talking about um i don't know if you ever heard about they're doing game night i saw it on the schedule yeah and the way she said it it made me think that you know you should go to festival and you think while you're going to see things and you're like maybe i'll meet some people i'm gonna do some, de- and do some networking but that always feels so uncomfortable yeah and she was like, yeah you play games you maybe you find your jack-in-the-box person or maybe you like this board game or card game you find what you want you play with people and you make friends i thought that's fucking amazing because then you get a chance to talk and get to know people around this fun game that you all dig it doesn't have to be about movies you don't have to talk yeah, about it there's no pressure to yeah. pitch yourself or right. listen to someone yeah, else right. do their spiel like you're just yeah. playing a game you're just being friends you're making yeah. friends that's how networking is supposed to happen that yep. is correct which Absolutely. is great which is great Absolutely. what's 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 interesting is that i've had jonathan who's like the guy that runs the whole thing he mm-hmm. was on uh our first episode of the series and uh, i remotely did it with him so it was in california and he was just like and i kept saying to him like look what i want from a fucking film festival is a uh, screening where my stuff doesn't look like or sound like shit when it's put up there and then b a festival that's about filmmakers meeting other filmmakers because that's why we go yeah right you go Mm -hmm. to uh if you're lucky you go to watch a movie in front of an audience which i can't wait to do because it's been a while um but then uh you want to be in a situation where you're meeting other filmmakers and most festivals Filmmakers show up and they're already feeling like slightly awkward and a little insecure. Mm-hmm. And some of them may show up with their own sen- their own entourage, which then becomes their own little click. And so it's very hard to sort of crack that code. And, you, mm-hmm. and um, there's been a handful of festivals that I've been to that will do like a good job with the filmmakers lounge or they'll do a good job with something else. And then you, you end up talking to other filmmakers and especially as a director, you don't, I'm lucky with the show because I get to, but most of the directors out there don't get to talk to other directors mm-hmm. and don't become friends with other directors. Um, and so when you do go to a great film festival, that's kind of what you're looking for is that sort of connect. Yeah. We've all heard like the great stories of like Tarantino and Rodriguez meeting mm-hmm. and like, you know, Kevin Smith meeting and, and, and all these old school directors like Scorsese and Spielberg all being buddies and all going to the same place and talking about their stuff. You're always trying to build sort of this this club of mm-hmm. people that you're screening with, that you're coming up with, that are all sort of in the same thing. And I said to him on that show, I said, I hope your fucking festival's like that, man. Like, I hope it's cool, you know? And he just was like, well, you just have to see, you know? Such a rock star. I like it. Such a rock star. Yeah. That guy's cool as shit, man. We, we got to meet him in person yesterday. It was real quick. Just said hi, chat real quick, and I was like, "This motherfucker is cool." <laughs> He's he feel, very cool. I told Mike, "I was like, he feels like Professor Snape if everything worked out." <laughs> like he just has such well-adjusted a cool vibe Professor to, Snape. Yeah, yeah. Just and even like watching him when he was giving his his opening speech, and it's just like kind of silhouetted. And I was like, "I just need him to say Mr. Potter one time, one time." And this guy's so fucking cool. I'm like, "Who is this?" Yeah. Draco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so far, so good. You know, so yeah. far, so good. Like, uh, it seems pretty cool. And yeah, um, yeah man, I, I feel fortunate to be in. Mm-hmm. I feel fortunate to be doing this because we get to hang out. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, and you should hang out with us more while you're here. I'd love to. And uh, let's see. Are you going to the, um, the uh, 
filmmaker mingry tonight uh yes i am boom there we go <laughs> now we're gonna hang what is tonight awesome. do we, what is tonight's thing do you know so we've got the there's a there's a few things going on during the day that we're, we're gonna miss uh doing the podcast but then at five we have the shorts sci-fi shorts block mm-hmm. and then which is actually really exciting there's a few cool ones in there's one called salvage i can't wait to see it's like a dramatic mockumentary but it looks like from the the thumbnail it looks like chappy almost uh, okay. so i'm really okay. curious to see what that's about and then we have the feature block uh with double blind that sounds really interesting mm-hmm. and then after that i think at ten fifteen is the filmmaker meet and greet at fat daddy pizza oh, pizza right. and beer oh my yeah because there's no real fucking bars here so yeah. you have to do yeah. like no there's like abg's bar i told you guys is that what it's called ABG's i think bar? It, it popped up on my phone pretty sure yeah that's amazing <laughs> yeah but apparently yeah. it's not a cool bar you know we'll make it a cool bar yeah we'll go there we'll yeah. be like the i can't wait it's gonna be hard to not just go in and be like okay so why, why did you get kicked out of the church what happened well i i, I said that when we were uh, getting off the airplane and going through Provo's very tiny little airport lobby. Yeah. And I'm like looking around and all of the well-adjusted Mormons. And I'm like, do they have any idea at this time of yeah. year? The fucking degenerates. Descend upon your city. It's like 30 days a night where like the sun's yeah. going down. Right. And the vampires are showing up. You know who is among you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Everyone from LA shows up hungover. And like, just fucking mad and ready to eat meat and talk shit. Drink beer. <laughs> and coffee. Right. And coffee. So much coffee. Irish <laughs> coffee. Just to be really dirty about it. I feel like the worst thing would be to show up at one of these things right with a bunch of Mormons and be like, oh, I'm so hungover. Where's the coffee? <laughs> like, the one sentence right. guaranteed to trigger a Mormon. Right. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Mormons. <laughs> and they just look at you like trash. Trash. Yeah. Send our daughter home quickly. Get her out of here. Right. Get her out of here. They're here. Yeah. Um, well, dude, it, it's it's been great to meet you. And um, I'm excited to... I don't think we're going to be able to see the screening of the movie, unfortunately, because it's happening in the morning. But yeah. I was happy to see it. Thank you for sending the link. Of course, thank yeah. you for watching um, it. And I think uh, we're. I'm, I think I'm talking with Tony Todd. I think we're going to try to get Tony Todd on the show. That later. would be great. I hope you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's incredible. Yeah, I'm excited. I don't think he'll remember this, but years ago, here's a bit of trivia for all of you fans. Years ago, when we were doing the Czar Face video with Inspector Deck, and we did. What was the air them out video? And there was a scene with a gangster, which Inspector Deck ended up playing the gangster in it. We originally were talking to Tony Todd about playing that mm-hmm. part for that Zarface cool. video. Yeah. And it just didn't work out logistically. But yeah, I don't think he'll remember that, but I'll bring it up. Mm. And he'll be like, I don't know who you are. He's like, oh, you asshole. <laughs> oh, I remember that. He's like, oh, you guys. That's who this is? That was the offer. Yeah, he'll, he'll remember the shitty amount of money that we offered him for that piece. Yes, the logistics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, logistics. Okay. Everyone remembers logistics. <laughs> right, yeah, right. right. <laughs> um, so hopefully hopefully we get him on. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. If you, guys are, if you guys are clicking those links in the description of this episode, if you're clicking those links and you're writing to our sponsors, then maybe I'll get Tony Todd on. But you got to do it. I got to see you guys doing it. And if you don't do it, then I'm not going to get Tony Todd on. And then you won't you won't be able to hear it from Candyman. So click those fucking links. Cause and effect. Yeah. yeah. Said, there you go. That's see, it. that's why there's a writer in our presence. It says oh. a lot more elegantly than I do. I that just go, good. fuck, balls, 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 fuck. Man. And they go, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's how many beers is that? How many beers is that? Three beers? Uh, that's, that's at least three beers fuck, and fuck, half fuck, a whiskey fuck, shot fuck, and four. maybe some coffee just to really, really make the locals mad. <laughs> really drive the stake in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, all right, guys. I think this is a good time to wrap up the show. Great. If um, you're on Instagram, are you on Instagram? Like, I'm where, on Instagram. Where could people find you? Uh, J. Dot in LA. Okay, there you go. There you uh, go. Dot spelled out D O T. Uh, and you can find our film, Dixieland the Movie. That's on there as well. Yeah. Uh, also, William Helmuth DP is on there too. Like, he's an incredible director and a good friend. Definitely, uh, mm-hmm. if you can, look up his stuff because he's brilliant. Mm hmm. Yeah. So what's up with Dixie? Is this the first festival for it or has it been running around? Is this a premiere? We did a, our initial premiere in Los Angeles. So we premiered at LA Shorts and then we back to back that with um, Holly Shorts. Yep. This is our next festival. Um, nice. Very, very grateful to be here. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about Jonathan being like an absolute like, uh, is it Minsk? Mensch? There's a word. There's the Mensch? A, yes, the Mensch. Yes. How many people can I offend by trying to get this wrong? Um, <laughs> Don't but, worry, we cover we cover the whole gamut on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Initially, we actually didn't get into Film Quest, and so you want to talk about process stuff. Like you send an email, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know whether or not you get in or not. You send an email. And you say, "Hey, thank you for considering us. If anything changes, let us know." And I found out that there was a lot of spirited debate about this particular film because oh. what constitutes genre what is the mm. definition of genre yes does this film qualify as genre i guess there was a lot of behind the scenes conversation about mm. this and we were just on the cusp of making it in and then i sent that email and they reconsidered it and they he let us go ahead and come in and they invited us over for a mixer in los angeles which was doubly nice I know. Uh, but like we just got in by the skin of our teeth yeah uh but it's an interesting debate about what makes genre genre that's fascinating right yeah because Watching your film, I mean, it's not horror. No. Mm-hmm. no. I mean, let's talk about the horror of, you know, the Civil War sure, and of racism. Course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's interesting. It still does feel genre, though. Mm-hmm. Well, it is it is Western time period, right? Yeah. So um, you're kind of in the right time period for if you wanted to qualify it as Western. My definition that I came up with and call this my headcanon so I can justify being part of this lovely festival uh, is that I feel genre affords the opportunity to take a step away from the present to comment on the present. Oh. I think that's the best pure distilled Ooh. version of what genre is. So if it's sci-fi, horror, fantasy, Western, if you can kind of step away from the here and now and then you have the opportunity to maybe have a theme or point about something that's in the here and now. I feel like that tends to be some of the best genre pieces we get. hundred percent. Great point. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. So for all of you assholes that are listening to the show that have been giving me shit about whether or not certain movies are horror movies, you might want to listen to this because you don't know. So the, one of my other films, which has been viral now for a year, I think Mm -hmm. we're a year in, I did a movie called 12 Cam, which was about a Russian drill team in the 1980s that dug the deepest hole known to man, and they dredge up this evil. It's really cool. And the only way that uh, I said that audiences could see it is that they had to write me on Instagram and tell me their three favorite horror movies, and if I agreed with them, then I'd send them a link. Okay. And so this has gone viral. And so I continuously, my inbox is just thousands and thousands of people that I'm trying to respond to religiously. But people will get real nerdy and they go, I don't consider that a horror movie. And so like I'll say stuff like, oh, which sounds so ridiculous. I'll go, what are the top three horror movies for me today? Uh, The Thing, obviously. Alien. People go, that's not a horror movie. I go, how is Alien not a fucking horror movie? 
Yeah. It's absolutely a horror film. It's like just because there are aliens and it's a horror movie. That's a, mm. that's a fucking creature movie. That's yeah. the whole thing. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so like th- th- there's this constant debate over what is true horror. Is does it, does horror require blood in the movie? Does horror require suspense in the movie? Does horror require um you know, a femme fatale or or a female that's in distress? Mm. Like what do you think? What are you, what is your definition of horror for you? Uh, horror is fear of the other. There you go. And I think that if mm. that, like, I'm just going to like, how do you boil this down to like the most like, you know, basic thing, like anything that scares me, whether it be an alien or it be an unknown force chasing you. That's a metaphor for STDs. <laughs> we all know that movie, uh, you know, or, or it's, you dig something up that's absolutely insanely, you don't understand. And it starts killing off your crew. Like that's, that's unknown. Mm-hmm. It's the unknown that really terrifies us, mm. um, or the other. Yeah. I, that's kind of what I think is like the absolute core when you really get into like horror stuff. And for everybody, right. that's different. Maybe that's why there's, there's such, I didn't realize there was such a spirited debate about yeah, the there definition is, of horror. There's a huge, huge debate about it. And you know, it's interesting. I completely agree with you. And what's interesting is that I think it just comes down to how, how mainstream horror is marketed to people. I think that's really what it comes down to where it's like, is it a slasher? Mm-hmm. You know, and there's like this category of stuff, which, you know, being a kid that worked at a music store for years, you start to understand how categories, why they were made, essentially made so that they can easy, easily sell other things that kind of sound like something that was successful. Right. <laughs> Speaking of horror film. Um, well, we've all got it now. Woo! The, the sun, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of the horror film. The sun, bitch. The sun, bitch. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we create these categories because it's easier to market and sell these different things. And so then what happens is the, the market requires you to try to fit yourself into these different categories so that it's easier to sell them. It's easier for the audiences to right. digest them, which I think is kind of ridiculous when it comes to horror because the more predictable it is, the more... Uh, categorized it is the the less scary a fucking thing is and Mm -hmm. so i think that uh horror should be unexpected and i think that if you walk away looking over your shoulder if you walk away feeling strange about your life if you walk away with a fear of the unknown i agree it's done its job that's horror Mm -hmm. man that's why i love it so much yeah it turns out that i didn't set out to be one but it turns out i'm a big cosmic horror director and it just happened to be that way. Even our piece that we do is very cosmic horror. So. Yeah. When um when I've shown Becca your work and we watched uh watching Come Home and then talking briefly about like the the new piece we've been talking on, uh, she said he's a director who knows how to use his nightmares. Yes. That's and true. I thought, yeah, Ooh, yeah, that's, that that's should a, go on a that's t-shirt. A great way to that's look a at great. It. Yeah. Oh, it's on the record. There it is. <laughs> Becca's gonna send you the contract. <laughs> It's on the record, yeah. man. You're paying royalties for that. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> you know what's great, man, is that when you... What, what, people don't realize how much uh, a great compliment like that really, really affects somebody. Mm. Like, I, I had this... I don't know if I talked about it on the show. I don't think I have yet. I I do 
<laughs> in order to chase cholesterol away out of my life, mm -hmm. I do uh, a bike ride almost every day and I ride around the Hollywood Reservoir. So like right underneath the Hollywood sign and all that kind of shit. And it's a fun place to ride Fancy. because it's, well, hold on, hold on, before, before you it's get no me. no Hollywood. Before, you, before, 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 all right, it's too late. You're going to give me shit. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Continue. All continue. right, all right. The, re the fucking fist pumps on other things. That's right. All right. So the reason why I do it is because I live in Glendale. And if I ride on the streets in Glendale, I'm going to oh, get yeah. murdered by an Armenian by driver. Yeah, yep. 100%. So uh, what's great about the Hollywood Reservoir is that it's mostly closed off. And so I can ride around it. I could daydream. I could think about stuff without being worried about being killed by someone doing a random 180 on the street you know mm -hmm, what i'm saying mm -hmm. and so i go up there and ride it's just a happy side effect that like all these other people like david sandberg's up there yeah. like all these dudes are always running around doing the thing anyway i was up there riding around chasing my cholesterol away and when you go up around the same time of the day you start to see regulars you start to see these people that are also up there desperately trying to you know beat death and run around this mm -hmm. track and this is this guy who runs around and he looks like a roadie tech from like the 70s. He's got like this wispy hair, white hair, and he's always like jogging and he's very fucking intense. And I'm riding by. And he's all he always gives me this look like, hey. And you know, it's like the silent yeah. sort of communication mm -hmm. where you have with strangers, and you're always like, <laughs> Yeah. And this goes on for fucking months of like, hey. <laughs> Never really yeah. talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And one day I it had been a while since I had ridden in it, and so I go on the track and I'm running. And he just, he's coming at me and his face, and I'm going back pretty quick, and his face just lightens up. And he goes, hey, right? And he's just got his hand up. And I go, what's up, bud? And I just yeah. keep riding, right? And so I do two laps. So like I come back around and he goes, hey, hey, hey. I'm like, oh. Oh. Here yeah. we go. Here's a communication. He goes, I just want to stop you and tell you that you have a gentle commanding voice. And then I just rode away. And I was like, what? Thanks, buddy. And he walked off on the other way. And I went, huh. And as I was riding, I'm like trying to process what that means. I have a gentle, commanding voice. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I feel good about myself. Yeah. I feel really good about myself. And I'm riding the bike, and that fucking stranger just made me feel nice about myself. Yeah. And this is me also it's complimenting incredible. myself yeah. on my own show. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been meaning to tell you as you've been interviewing me, but I feel really soothed. There's yeah. a gentle <laughs> command. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. like a gentle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, guy, really? Out of nowhere. So so many good compliments for me. Thank you, fellas. I think that's that, that's gym familiar, where it's you, when you, like, you start going to the gym. Yeah. If you go regularly enough, you see the other people that go regularly enough, mm -hmm. and you don't know each other. You don't ever really talk to each other, but it's like the that familiarity of, oh, you're back again. Yeah, yeah, cool. Or and then it's just then becomes sort of like a nod, like, yep, another day. Here we are doing it again. Yep. And there's nothing more than that. That's literally all it ever is. But there's something so comforting in that, and I think maybe that's what that moment is where you and the guy nod at each other. And then, you know, you, it, it, it's welcoming almost, and it's motivating. You get the good compliment. You feel really good about the day. Everyone knows what that feels like in that moment where you're like, yeah, I want to feel good for the rest of the day. Yeah. You yeah. Know? It's nice, man. You forget. You forget. And especially when yeah. it's in Hollywood and everybody's like kind of looking. Whenever you yeah. talk to someone, they're always looking at the door behind you, seeing mm -hmm. who's coming in and who's not coming in. It's nice, man. So anyway, I don't know how we got on that tangent, but. 
You wanted to talk about your voice. You want to talk about your <laughs> epic bicycle path. Yeah. You know, your Mike VIP. said, I'm exercising. All right. I wanted to talk voice. about, I and wanted to talk about voice. me. Fuck off. Fuck Sometimes you. there's Hollywood people there also. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you about these lenses. Uh, I'm feel did you notice how he said reservoir? <laughs> yeah, he did. There was a little, there was, like, a, little, there was a little tick on the mm-hmm. end. Reservoir. I cannot say reservoir without doing that. <laughs> and, and I get made fun of, the Gina makes fun of me all the time for it. And I go, I, I, I was to say it. Is it just like a hint of French? comes out like when yeah. he's like reservoir. How, reservoir. How, else, how do you say it reservoir 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 i can't do it say carnivore carnivore no i know reservoir reservoir i was kind of hoping it would be like carnivore yeah, carnivore carnivore t-rex mustache yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> all right fuck you, fuck you fuck you guys fuck you guys i can't do brewery fuck you guys. brewery i can't do brewery no a brewery no. brewery <laughs> 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 Learn how to pronounce, dude. Figure uh, your I shit can't out. Do it. Do you have one? Do you have a word I'm trying to think pronounce? of it now. Usually, it's just like foreign city names or something that I really, really yeah. butcher when I shouldn't. Like yeah. uh, uh, over in Germany last month, uh, doing like a vacation, and I cannot say Nordlingen to save my life. I keep like Nordlingen, Nordlingen, Nordling. Fuck this. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's a beer this. for all of you now. <laughs> Jay Scott, master of words. <laughs> All right, all right. I think we'll leave it on uh, giving Mike shit. I think it's good. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for being here. Nice to meet you, Jay. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I uh, take back my invitation after you gave me so much fucking shit on the show. And uh, (laughs) Lance, you can go fuck yourself as well. And uh, everybody else that's listening to the show, I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, Plenty more Film Quest episodes on the way. We're going to be doing one every day, and it's about 10 days. Yep. Um, and I uh, hope you guys love it. Uh, we've got a lot to do today. What are we headed to next? What are we doing? Next is the short film block. Okay. So we're going to do that next. I'm going to try to pump this out immediately. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'm going to leave you with our, our good friend, Big Black Delta, Jonathan Bates, who did the music for Come Home. Here's a track from him. All right, guys. Thanks. <laughs> It's so okay.